Thank you for joining us at the NEA Podcast, a podcast designed to help develop and inspire nonprofit leaders. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Brad Lebowski, CEO of NEA or Nonprofit Engagement Advisors. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the NEA Podcast. My name is Brad Lebowski. Uh, CEO of uh, Nonprofit Engagement Advisors. And the purpose of this podcast is to ask the same nine questions of every nonprofit leader or as many nonprofit leaders as we can engage in the United States. And the purpose of that is really to inspire collaboration. There's a lot we can learn from one another to improve ourselves, to improve our organizations, and more importantly, to improve who we serve. So this effort is really to learn from some of the best nonprofit leaders that we know, listen to how they approach these nine questions, and then take that back with you to see how you can bring that back to your organization to make it better, to make yourself better. Um, And of course, any questions that you have, we can answer through our website, which is for NEA.com. Today is a great pleasure to have uh, Jason Johnson with us. He's the founder and CEO of Project Canine Heroes. And we'll start with the first question, Jason. Uh, describe your mission and uh, tell us about who you serve. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me on, Brad. It's an honor to be here. Uh, Project Canine Hero was founded in 2016. I had a uh, career in the military, law enforcement, and federal government working with and training canines at, at all different levels, uh, stateside and abroad. And what I learned and all of that time from 1993 up to 2016 was they weren't really getting the, the help they needed in retirement, specifically with medical care, that a, a canine or a military working dog would serve its country, serve its agency. And when it came time to retire, it was totally up to the handler, whoever adopted the dog to take care of those medical bills. So we started a, a nonprofit organization and we serve retired police canines and military working dogs that serve our country who have substantial medical needs, medical costs, the food and the death benefit assistance program. And additionally, we have rehab we're working on in Tennessee. And if they need a home to go to in retirement, we're also here to take care of them in that aspect as well. Excellent. Thank you, Jason. Um, Why is your nonprofit more relevant now than ever before? Well, I think right now we have so many dogs serving our countries in different capacities. Uh, We have them at the military level where they're serving uh, overseas or even abroad protecting our our bases and our post here in the States. We have them at our federal police level where you see them, you know, as recently as the Capitol, where they're, where they're doing explosive detection at a lot of our federal buildings with our state and local agencies, um, where they might be, you know, serving in a, a purpose where they're a patrol narcotics canine, taking the drugs off the street or finding that bad guy who committed a heinous crime in your community. And these heroes are out there putting their lives on the line every day. And we don't have any programs in place to make sure that they're taken care of in retirement. So at Project Canine Hero, we're not only here to raise 
donations to put towards those bills. We're trying to affect a change throughout the nation. We're trying to work with Congress to establish a law. We're working on our Canine Hero Act. We're trying to build that rehab and rehoming facility here in Tennessee, but we're trying to do a lot more for them than they've ever had before in retirement. And it's, it's such an honor to, to be able to give back to the canine community this way. I think it's an awesome cause. And uh, obviously you've done a lot in the last, you know, four and five years to make an impact nationwide. What keeps you up at night? A lot. Uh, you know, when you're running a, a national nonprofit of this size with a very small staff, uh, there's a lot to keep you up. I still have a lot of the uh, duties in the organization uh, upon myself, whether it be the social media, sometimes making sure an invoice gets paid, making sure that, you know, some nights I go to bed, and we may have one or two police canines or military working dogs in the ER. Could be a gastric torsion issue, could be a bloat uh, type situation, could be uh, complications from their cancer treatments anything could happen. And, you know, we take it so personal as uh, them being program members that we want to be there to care for them. So I want to make sure that uh, the med, you know, the, the billing staff has our credit card number. So that bill is going to get paid so they can leave in the morning. And sometimes they may be checking out at 4 AM. So, or, you know, uh, the stuff we have on our Shopify where we're selling items and people are having issues checking out or learning about our project or wanting to get involved with their congressman. So, you know, trying to manage all forms of uh, email, inboxes, uh, direct mail, regular mail, trying to make sure all that is running smoothly on a day-to-day basis is quite the task. But, you know, having a lot of other jobs in the uh, military, law enforcement, federal government, this is by far the most rewarding job I've ever had. And, uh, you know, if it keeps me up at night, so be it, because it's my passion and I'm out here following my passion and we're making a difference. Appreciate that a lot. And I know a lot of people appreciate that throughout the country who have experienced what canines can do. Um, things keep you up at night. You got a small staff, you're running a national nonprofit. How do you expand your knowledge? How do you keep learning? Uh, one of the biggest things that I do is I talk to other nonprofit leaders. Uh, we're probably partnered with uh, several dozen nonprofits. I'm probably personal friends and colleagues with uh, over 20 other nonprofit leaders who I can call on the phone, who I can email or send a message to and ask, hey, have you ever experienced this situation? How did you handle it? And vice versa, they they call and ask me the same questions. And I think it's important for us to bounce those things uh, off of each other to make sure that, you know, hey, we're doing things correctly. Uh, this is what other nonprofits are doing. We gauge in organizations like yourself who uh, have experience in managing nonprofits and we ask the right questions. Is this, is this you know, is this the standard policy? Is this how other operations and organizations uh, conduct themselves. I lean a lot on my accountant, my CPA lawyer, to make sure that we're doing things within the federal regulations that every time we spend money or we're doing taking on a new project, that it's within the IRS regulations and there's no violations there. And lastly, on a personal level, um, you know, I've, I've enrolled to go back to school. I'm working on my doctorate degree at Liberty University in strategic leadership. And I feel that, you know, when you're running something this size, uh, there's no such thing as too much education. So uh, those are all the different aspects that I, I try to improve myself and try to improve the way that we run our organization. Well, it's excellent that you believe in that collaboration and bettering yourself as well as the organization. I talk about emotional intelligence as a topic because there's so many job descriptions out there where you can just check the boxes and yeah, I'm qualified. Yeah, I have the experience, but it's really the kind of person you are, the kind of leader that you are 
that jumps off the job description page and turns into action and results. So what part of your emotional intelligence do you use the most? You know, I believe there's five different aspects of emotional intelligence, but I think for us as a, as the CEO of this nonprofit, it, it would be empathy. And it's because when people call us for help, they're at one of the lowest moments of their life. Their police canine or their military working dog is needing help and they need it immediately. And they may be in a financial position that they cannot afford that. Uh, many times we get a car call from someone in the ER uh, saying that, hey, they need a deposit on a credit card and they need $5,000 or they're not going to do this surgery and I don't have $5,000. And we're in a position because we, we have so many donors and we have so many followers, we can get out there and we can drop that $5,000 on our card immediately to make sure that canine is getting the help it needs right then and there. And the empathy part really comes in where I'm a former canine handler and a former canine instructor. So I've lost all my partners. I have actually been certified with over 15 canine partners throughout my career and not one of them are still alive today. And I've lost them in various ways, old age and retirement and medical issues and all kinds of things. So I can empathize with that handler knowing how important it is for them that, that some people just look at, well, it's, you know, it's just a dog. Well, it's not just a dog. Not only is it your partner, it's your family member. And I always tell people that you spend more time with that family member, that, that canine, than you do with anybody else in your family. So knowing that I know that, I can empathize with them and I know how important it is to make sure that they're taken care of. And that is the whole premise of our organization to protect those who protected us. And uh, by far, that's the one I use the most. I think empathy is very powerful and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what is something that you wanna teach me or teach someone else? You know, I think the most important thing for people who don't know about police canines and military working dogs is how useful they are. Um, how they can uh, protect our communities, protect our country, save us from terrorism. Uh, I, you know, having trained over 2000 dogs here uh, in the United States at the local, state and federal level, I can say that these dogs are, are saving American lives every day. And I, I think that's the one thing that I can teach people through the stories that we share, the stories that I share of their background and the stories that I have from my career. And I think um, some people kind of understand how important they are, I don't think they really know how important they are. For example, when I was um, on, you know, when a police canine handler, when, when, when something bad happens in your community, the worst crime in the world and the police really can't figure out what to do next. Uh, maybe the person has ran and they've hidden in the woods and they can't find them. They call the canine unit and that canine team, that handler and that dog is responsible for, for taking this very bad armed and dangerous person off the street. And that's, that's the one thing that's going to save, save them. And people sleep, you know, comfortably in their beds at night, knowing that there's people out there like the people we serve in Project Canine Hero, police canine handlers and military working dog handlers who are out there working tirelessly to make sure that they have that ability to be comfortable in their homes, to be safe in their communities and have the freedoms around the world that other countries do not have. And, and for that reason, I think I have that to teach the people based on what we do and what my background is. Appreciate that. So with all this going on and you have different aspects of the nonprofit, you have ways to raise money, you have ways to help canine heroes, how do you measure success? Well, it's very difficult. Um, you know, some will do it by metrics, some will do it by awards. Uh, I've been fortunate to have a lot of different awards. I think right behind me here, you'll see the 2018 Law Enforcement Dog of the Year Award. 
given to Flash and I. Uh, that's throughout the whole nation. Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of great things. This frontline leaders right here, named 52 of uh, America's post 9-11 military leaders. What an honor. But that's not how I measure success at all. I think I measure success when a, when a handler calls me after their dog has come out of the ER and their life has been saved and we paid the bill and the joy that I hear in their voice that they're so happy that their partner's still alive. Um, that, that one private phone call is, is how I measure success. And I think it's it, it, what drives me to put more dogs in the program. It's what drives us to get out there and earn donations or build that rehabilitation and rehoming center. Just today, we have military working dog Rasso here with us. Just today, I had received several texts from his, his handler, Ian, who is up in Spokane, Washington, who I, I was sharing some pictures of Rosso and he was commenting on how happy Rosso was and how thrilled that Ian was that Rosso got a second chance at life. Ian couldn't keep Rosso because of his behavioral issues and he had a five month old child at home. Nobody else was able to take Rosso and he was destined to be euthanized by the government. And, and, and he was trained, he was trained to be aggressive. We rewarded him, we programmed him to be that way. And when it came time for retirement, Rosso didn't have a place to go and they reached out to Project Canine Hero and I flew up there to Spokane and, and we spent some time with Ian working it out and he's, he's here at our facility now and he's loving life. And that, that just that message from Ian saying how happy and how easy is that his partner is having a second chance in life and he's gonna get to live it out here for the next couple of years rather than being euthanized. Uh, that's how I measure success. Excellent. We talked about what you wanted to teach people and our second to last question talks about one thing you want people to understand. And I know that when you said, you know, what you wanted to teach people about is the role of the canine hero and what happens, but tell me something else that you really want people to understand. You're working on legislation, you're working across all 50 states, you have books and awards and accomplishments, but what do you want them to understand about this organization unlike any other? I want them to understand that not every police canine and military working dog has care in their retirement. A lot of people think that, hey, when they're working, they're taken care of, or, you know, they get to stay with their handler or they get brought home from overseas. All of that is actually true. They do, if the handler can keep them, for the most part, 90% of the dogs do stay with their handler or they're making sure they're not left overseas. But what people don't understand is that person who adopts the dog, whether it be a handler or just a civilian, may not always have the funding available to them to make sure they get the care they need. Every dog that we're serving has medical needs. Uh, they're, they're, some of these happen while they're in service. They can be injured in the line of duty. And then we'll take Sergeant Yeager, for example. Sergeant Yeager served the Marine Corps. He did three tours overseas. On his third tour, he was hit by an IED while on patrol and it took the life of his handler, Lance Corporal William Taro. And after his handler was killed in action, uh, Yeager suffered uh, shrapnel wounds to the face, lost part of his ear, hearing loss and loss of his bladder control. He's on medications for the rest of his life. Um, and so he was retired to another Marine Corps family. What you understand is, what I want people to understand is that Marine Corps family didn't really sign on for a $5 or $500 a month bill. That that's what it takes to take care of Jaeger for his medical needs, his prescriptions and his doctor's visits. So we at Project Canine Hero have been paying his bills at 100% for the last several years. But just because a hero served our country, 
he has a purple heart of all things. That doesn't mean he's taken care of by the government. And I want people to understand that if it wasn't for nonprofits like Project Canine Hero, we're not the only one, there's a few others out there, but if it wasn't for nonprofits like us who are helping them make sure they get those prescriptions, those doctor visits, those surgeries that they need, then they would have nowhere else to turn to. That Those costs would be strictly on the person who raised their hand to adopt that dog, and it can be over $10,000 or $20,000 a year, depending on the severity of the circumstance. That's important to know. So where can people go to to learn about the organization and donate and be a part of what you're doing? I always suggest go to our website first, projectcaninehero.org. Click on the donate button. But more than that, you can donate, you can set up, you know, revolving or monthly or yearly or biannual donations. But also check out some of the other things in our menu. Check out that capital campaign where we're building the rehab rehoming center out here in Tennessee. You can donate specifically for that. Check out our tab on the Canine Hero Act. Learn how you can get involved with uh, your legislative uh, members, uh, how you can contact your congressman or senator to let them know why it's important to you. That's uh, H.R. 5081. And we're, we're looking to revamp that a little bit this year and bring it out even stronger and better uh, than it was before. Uh, check out our shop. We have over almost 100 different items in our store. And each time you either buy a hat, uh, one of my children's books, as you see back here, we just got a new book out, a deck of cards, a calendar any of those things go all the proceeds go to help the dogs in our program and there's so many different ways to get involved so not only by looking at our website you can follow us on facebook instagram or twitter at project canine hero and you'll see that we are posting things daily we're talking about the dogs we're serving we're talking about the bills we're paying and we're talking about the great things that this organization is trying to accomplish every day fantastic jason thank you so much for your time uh, jason johnson uh, CEO and founder of Project Canine Hero. You can go to the website, projectcaninehero.org. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank everybody who's watching and listening to our podcast. And each month we'll feature a nonprofit professional that you can hopefully learn from, be inspired by um, to improve yourself and your organization. Thank you very much. This has been the NEA Podcast, Intellectual Property of Nonprofit Engagement Advisors, LLC. All rights reserved, 2021.